We put the BMW 3 Series in the steel cage with the Volvo S60 and see which one comes out on top according to our test results. Plus, in our audience questions, we answer if an all-season tire is better or worse than an all-weather tire for someone who lives in Southern California. Next on Talking Cars. Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us again. I'm John Linkov. I'm Gabe Shanhar. And I'm Ryan Pizlikowski. And you know, you guys know it both very well. As testers, we test a ton of cars here, 50-plus vehicles a year mm -hmm. um, that, that we evaluate and put through our process. And we have two competitors, two luxury compact sports sedans that we just finished, the BMW 330i, the 3 Series, and the Volvo S60. Um, our 330i, quick, quick specs, 255 horsepower, 2-liter 4-cylinder turbo, eight-speed automatic and all-wheel drive. Difference, we got a Volvo S60 T5 Momentum, 250 horsepower, two-liter four-cylinder turbo. The whole industry is going four-cylinder turbos. Eight-speed automatic and front drive. So Gabe, tell us why we tested these configurations. My head's already exploding uh, from all these numbers. You just, uh, just data, us, reams uh, and pounds of data. We uh, always test uh, the most common configuration. So uh, for the BMW, it's the 330i, which is the two-liter, Turbo. I mean, there there is an up-level engine that's called a 340i, and it has the six-cylinder. Mm -hmm. um, in this uh, category, we tend to test all-wheel drive. Uh, there is a little bit of a peculiarity with the Volvo here because uh, if you want all-wheel drive, you have to go to the T6, which is the up-level engine um, with 316 horsepower. And um, we didn't want to do that. We wanted to uh, be more representative with the um, Less powerful engine, sure. uh, so it's more compatible with its uh, with its peers, like the Audi A4, the mm -hmm. Mercedes-Benz right. C-Class, so, etc. Uh, yeah, I mean, if uh, you could get all-wheel drive with a T5, we would have done that. Mm -hmm. okay. So anyway, so, um, so that's so that's why points. they sound a little different. You know, like why would you do all-wheel drive versus a, you know a front-wheel drive? Right. Well, that was my first question when we got it, and then I realized that was the case. So. <laughs> so you know, we're looking at a couple of things because of this category. You know, for so Ryan. Why do people buy these vehicles? You know, like what are what are some of the factors in you know in, in looking at a luxury compact sedan? Well, I think you know in today's day and age, little SUV is everywhere, right? And if you're going after a a car a car like this, a compact sports sedan, you're looking for something sporty, something fun to drive. And um, I know, at least I know that's the case for me. Um, and these are these are fun cars to drive. I mean, I, one's more fun than the other. I think we'll talk about that after. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I think people are looking for something that's engaging to drive. Um, they're not. They don't need a ton of space. They're not hauling their entire family. They don't need a ton of trunk space. Sure. You know, that's and all-wheel drive is a nice perk, especially up here and you know a little bit up north where you run into some snow and stuff like that. Is um, is there something? Is it more of a luxury or more of a sporty factor, though, Gabe? That people are looking for? Yeah, uh, there's no denying that in the real world, uh, the brand cachet has a lot to do with it, mm. and styling has a lot to do with it. And uh, like Ryan says, uh, you know, these uh, buyers are that they're not uh, focused on all the room they can get. They probably want a sedan that's uh, classic and stylish. And uh, well, you know, you know, touching on that, you know, so how do they match up? You know, both luxury touches and the styling. Yeah. So uh, the fin finish inside, the interior ambiance is a major part of it. Uh, the features. Uh, and these two cars, they have uh, what it takes to appeal to a luxury buyer, but they diverge quite a bit in uh, their character. They are very distinct 
uh, cars. Yeah, the, okay. the Volvo, the interior of the Volvo is more that Swedish uh, minimalist Ikea, kind of a look. if you yeah, will. Yeah, almost, right? yeah, right, right. <laughs> That's know. a good way of putting it. Yeah, it, it's, and it's nice, It's but it's it's simple, um, and I, I like that. The, I think the, the BMW is a little more... Um, Techy, a little sportier, mm. um, it's more cockpit race car like almost in a sense, you know. Um, yeah, I would say the S60 sometimes almost seems just the scaled down version of the S90, you know. It's, yeah, it, and it very much just which okay, is what it is. We took right. like a, you know 80% tool and just kind of dragged it down a little yeah. bit. Um, but you know, what about performance? Because again, we, we've got 255 horsepower, 250 horsepower. Does it matter the five horsepower? Where where are they really feeling it in these two cars? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we we don't focus on um, specs and what mm -hmm. the cars have uh, we focus on what the cars do sure. and uh, both uh, you know drive well but uh, there are differences and, and very distinct differences and if you're uh, someone who pays attention to these things uh, you're going to notice the BMW Absolutely. is uh, a lot uh, quicker and even though it's all wheel drive it's it still is quicker and more fuel efficient uh, I might add um the Volvo, there's uh, something, uh, I mean, th th you feel like it's really quiet, the seats are comfortable, mm -hmm. the interior is really uh, attractive, but somehow there is a disconnect there because the ride is really stiff mm, yeah. and you really don't get any benefits uh, in terms of handling agility. So uh, that leaves you a little cold. You, you know, you yeah. can, I was going to say, you, the 3 Series has some of that ride stiffness, but you really, there's a bit there's, of a trade-off. And stiff doesn't mean good handling. Right. But you do get something for it's, it. It's sportier for sure. I, I mean, the steering is better. It's not the best, but it's better. Um, you know, going back to the, 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 the power thing for a second, um, I meant to jump in. The, the, on paper, five horsepower difference, right? It feels a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, I'm not sure what the torque numbers are, but it's evident that the 3 Series has all-wheel drive. It's potentially a bulkier, heavier car in right. a sense. It's faster. It gets better fuel economy on top of it. That's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, and the, the transmission in the BMW works so beautifully. It's silky smooth. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's so yeah. just right there. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you, you like to say telepathic. Like it, 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 it it's anticipating where you want to be, right? right. Yeah. It's anticipating uh, your intentions, uh, your uh, uh, throttle positioning, your, the terrain, everything. It just, you know, it'll give you a part throttle downshift even before you, you're mm -hmm. asking for it. So, uh, it's much more engaging to drive the BMW, not to mention the sound, the exhaust sound of the BMW. It feels, I mean, it's a taut car so, without, uh, yeah, I mean, you pay a little bit of a price in terms of uh, ride comfort with this new generation, mm -hmm. but uh, it, it really uh, is exciting to drive. So, so two questions. First of all, mm -hmm. 50 grand in your pocket, which one would you buy? Three series. Uh, not even a question. The three series is uh, nothing else is, in the category. And, and even if you don't care about the fun factor of the BMW, there is just so many details in the BMW yeah. that I uh, connect with. Uh, I mean, the, the infotainment system is so <laughs> seamless compared to the Volvo, which yeah, is so cumbersome. Uh, some other details, like uh, you put the car in the reverse, and uh, the right side uh, mirror dips down to show you the curb or uh, the, the fact that you can program the car to walk away and it locks uh, on its own um, and then it uh, unlocks on mm -hmm. approach. Uh, a lot of little things that uh, the car well, is just so not, delightful. 
It's on paper, though. Like, we did the testing, and it's just it's a better car. To be fair, there's a price difference between these two. The Volvo was $47,000. The BMW was $53,000. So it's... Uh, yeah. There's some... You I are going to get more. Difference, Most yeah. people lease these cars, so it uh, it can be all over the place. I mm-hmm. mean, when you lease, it's like all bets are off. Sure. Yeah. Sure. That definitely. Well, because it's governed by resale value. Right. Right. right, right, right. It's how much the car, how much you're renting of the car during the lease period. I mean, I, I, I agree. I took the Volvo a couple of times and, and really wanted more from it. And we talk about the infotainment system. I have a number of Oof. friends who love their <laughs> S90, love their XC90, XC, XC60. And I say, oh, yeah, what about this? They go, well, you know, sometimes uh, I can't use the HVAC because the heating, ventilation, air conditioning system, uh, the screen dies, you know, or, the, or it resets on me. <laughs> or, but they're yeah. leasing it, just like you talked they, they don't care how many times they go yeah. back to the dealer because they get a loaner and they're not going to own it three or four years down the road mm-hmm. from there. Yeah, I've uh, heard my fair share of uh, earful of uh, Volvo uh, XC60 owners mm-hmm. that say, hey, yeah, I love the car, but it looks great. And, but uh, I still can't figure out how to use the radio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to have a lot of that uh, test results on consumerreports.org, so go check that out. So after that kind of elongated segment, brings us to questions, and we really love getting them. The video questions, text questions, send them to talkingcars at iCloud.com. Um, we've got four really good ones, both testing and reliability this time. So we're gonna jump in. First one, Bob has a two-part question. Part A, I find pronouncements from CR frequently stating that a given car is great for a tall driver, but I find many times it just ain't so. I'm six foot three inches tall, which is taller than average. Is there a CR requirement that a car reviewer be a maximum height of six feet? You're tall. You're, you're <laughs> so the tall guy in the panel. What, I, what do you I think, am, Ryan? I'm one of two tall guys in the panel, so there isn't an actual uh, requirement. I'm about 6'2". Our other tester is actually just under six foot, but he sits like a tall guy. Mm. And Long I know torso this. Or? Yeah, I, and I know this for experience because it's my boss, Gene Peterson, and we test tires together, and there's times when we literally get in cars the same car back to back. Like he drives it and then I get him to drive it. I don't have to move the seat. Mm-hmm. He doesn't move the seat. I could a little bit because we're not the same, but that get, brings me to my next point is even if you're tall, I'm a tall guy. I might not drive it like another six foot two tall guy. Within those ranges, we have, you know, people drive differently. Sure. They sit differently. This also brings me to, you got to go and sit in these cars. You got to test them yourself. You know, we're, we're giving you guidelines and yeah. what we found. But, I mean, um, like to your point, I cannot get in a car after Mike Quincy's driven it. Right. Mike sits very close, very high. Yes. I have to, you know, manually or electronically yeah, yeah, move yeah. the seat back right. just to climb and in. How you guys are... I'm six feet, 5'11", depending yep. if my back is tight or not, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I just have a different driving position. Right. That's the same thing for every, like yeah. you're saying. But he's close to your height, right? Mike's close yeah. to my height, yeah. yeah that's, what I'm, that's the point, I exactly. guess, I'm making. And that's why we have, we, have dri- we have short drivers, we have medium drivers, we have tall drivers. Uh, we have to cover the whole span. So, um, you know, not that 6'3 is outrageous. I mean, that's a tall guy, nor- mm-hmm. normal tall guy, I would say. So you should try it out. Yeah, you I mean, go to the dealer, try these things, you know. Okay. Yeah. So, well, now we have Bob's part B question. Same type of topic here. I have a 2016 RAV4, Toyota RAV4 XLE that I can fit into even with the mandatory sunroof that I keep closed. But the 2019 design seems to have less of both head and legroom. Is this true? Okay, Bob's pretty observant with the new RAV4, right? Uh, I'll say. Uh, with the redesign of the RAV4, they raised uh, the floor, they uh, lowered the roof, so they uh, essentially shrunk the 
The honey, I shrunk the rabbit. Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> honey, I shrank the cabin. <laughs> so they, they, they shrank the living space uh, of the car. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be less uh, head, uh, headroom. And uh, we getting, saw it in our testing. Uh, we did see it in our testing. And also uh, there's more uh, the, the step in height is a little higher. All right. So it's a little more of a, of a lift, particularly for shorter. So for Bob may be able to fit in all right, you know, he's tall, he can get his leg up there. But as you know, yeah, but shorter like we've driver, said we'll before, have... even if you're the same height, it depends. If you're a long torso and, mm -hmm. and, and short point. limbs or the other way around, you're going to have a completely different driving position. Right, right, right. So Bob, hope that answers your question and good observation on the RAV4. <clears throat> We're going to move to our second question. Nick from Los Angeles asks, my Volkswagen e-Golf lease is coming to an end later this year. I've been looking at the Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid for a while now, but I'm not sure about the reliability of the Chrysler brand. The Pacifica has been out for a few years now. What does CR reliability data say about this vehicle? What are the most common issues besides infotainment? So Gabe, Pacifica family, the, we like, a lot of people here like that uh, Pacifica Hybrid minivan. So where, where does it stand? Yeah, um, yeah, particularly those who go on long uh, vacations uh, <laughs> like to drive. Yeah, I myself took it. To Ohio uh, one summer. I took it to Portland, Maine, and it was great, especially yeah, those TV screens for the kids. It really is one of the nicest uh, yeah. cars that uh, Chrysler makes these days. Um, it gets you uh, 30 miles of electric uh, drive, and then it reverts to highway um, regular hybrid operation mm -hmm. and gets 26 miles per gallon. Um, uh, but uh, reliability, uh, he's got a, a point, and it's uh, uh, our data uh, says that uh, it's uh, it's got some infotainment problems, and uh, so uh, it's not at the same level of reliability as uh, some other competitors. Sure, but you know, an e-golf can't be. He's leasing. So would you recommend, Ryan, someone maybe roll a dice? I mean, again, we we're talking about the Volvo and we we're talking about the BMW, you know, a lot of people yeah. lease those. If someone's leasing it. Would you be comfortable leasing a car that maybe is eh, with reliability to get what you want out of it? Yeah, I mean, if the, the, if the reliability issue is infotainment, the, the, a lot of times they can fix those things through, you know, flashes and updates and things mm -hmm. like that. I wouldn't be overly overly concerned if that's really Personally. where you want yeah yeah if that's really where you want to be you know mm -hmm. like you know like we said that's a that's a nice minivan that's a really nice minivan sure um tons of room <laughs> a lot more than need. an e-golf yeah. <laughs> well that's that's it's kind of a, a a major switch here right but um i don't think i'd be afraid of it you know mm -hmm. yeah. gabe is there is there an alternative though that he could look at from the well, e-golf uh, it depends uh if he's gotten used to going uh all electric with the e-golf mm -hmm. uh, and e-golf has a very limited range right. of uh, about 90 miles right yeah so um but there are alternatives nowadays uh you have uh, several uh pure evs that g give you uh 200 200 50 almost. Yep. Uh, yeah, Chevrolet Bolt he can go into, a Nissan Leaf he could Bolt, easily go into. The Nissan Leaf Plus Yep. Um, uh, gives you 200 miles plus, as well as the Hyundai Kona mm -hmm. and, um, the Nero. and Kia, Kia Nero yeah. EV, which, you know, at uh, 250, 230 miles of uh, range, so it's not, not too not sure. something to sniff at. Well, I'd say, Nick, you know, we have a couple of those, the Kia Nero and the Hyundai uh, mm -hmm. Kona in test. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. we'll have results yeah. on that uh, down, you know, on consumerreports.org. Now, let me mention that uh, the Pacifica Hybrid. Yep, yep. I mean, the lease deals and the incentives and uh, everything, when, when you add up all the incentives, the EV plug-in incentives uh, mm -hmm, and sure. the, the federal and local, it's enticing. Um, you can probably get that Pacifica 
plug-in hybrid for less than a regular Pacifico. Pretty cheap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Nick, let us know what you do. It'll be interesting to find out what your decision process is. Um, we're going to move to another person from the Southern California area. Greg is from Orange, California. And he says, I'm in Southern California and drive to the snow. Well, I, makes sense. Um, <laughs> would it make sense to swap my Subaru Outback to all-weather tires for winter? It sounds like I'd be giving up wet traction for driving around town, but maybe it's worthwhile. It's only about 200 miles a year, but I'd really like something between all seasons and tire chains. Would it be a bad idea to leave all-weather tires on a car during a hot summer? So it is interesting. Um, California requires chains on all vehicles except some passenger, ve passenger vehicles like trucks that are under 6,000 pounds, which are also in, in certain areas, in certain areas yeah. right, when yeah. they have snow tires on at least two wheels and that you have to have all-wheel drive uh, vehicles to avoid the snow chains, but you still have to carry them with you. Yes, it's a... <laughs> it, it's there's a, a lot of rules about this. Right. Ryan, you know, code also says what snow t tread tires are. They have certain symbols. Yes. Do all-weather all tires fit this, fit, you know, the, the rules here? Well, um, an all-weather tire, along with all-winter tires, carry a three-peak mountain snowflake symbol that's on the sidewall. Okay. And that actually means that that tire was tested to a minimum requirement of snow traction ability. That's why all-weather tires kind of came to, is they're, they're a step above all-season tires, mm -hmm. regular all-season tires, um, but they're not a dedicated snow tire. So but you can drive on them year-round. Okay, so but the, so for this question, you know, all-seasons mm -hmm. would probably be a little better with, with uh, you know, they're okay in all conditions, but not right. great in one, but is he is he a valid worry about wet traction? Um, he, he does, depending on what tires he picks. Um, we tested five of these all-weather models last year, and um, we found that you know, there was actually three of them that have good wet traction, um, just like their all-season peers. And people can and, find, they can find on Consumer Reports. Yeah, so, order, yeah take a look on our, our ratings of tires, mm -hmm. and you'll see in the underperformance all-season tires, um, you'll see the top-rated tire is actually a all-weather tire. So the all-weather um, won't give you the ultimate snow traction of, an, of a winter, but right. a winter tire is going to not be right. anything so, you want to use on dry. Yes, and going back, you know, he said 200 miles a year, you know, you, you got to weigh that out. That's not really that many miles, but you also don't want to get stranded up there. And if you sure. need that uh, mount, three-peak mountain snowflake symbol in certain areas where they may regulate that in that, you know, during a snowstorm or something, like what they do with the uh, chains and whatnot. Right, right. Um, you know, it's, it's really not a bad idea. Um, and you can run on them all year round in the heat. Um, that's why they were invented. So, is he, <laughs> yeah. so he shouldn't worry about wearing down on all weather in the summer right um you know baking orange county or orange california yeah. uh versus if you had a snow tire of course that would wear down like yeah crazy. and in the summer you know a winter tire should not be running on um you know in the warm months mm -hmm. that's they're dedicated for winter cold temperatures so i don't even recommend a winter tire for him because he's not going to be you know you'd have to put it on to go up to the mountain and come back it doesn't right. make sense right the all weather tire like he's saying that's um a good compromise just definitely take a look at the ratings and see which ones do well in our um our wet traction and it's a growing category right yes it's growing slowly um you know it's a all season tires don't they're a compromise they don't do everything perfectly they do it well mm -hmm. these don't either but if you're looking for that tire that has a little more snow traction but not a dedicated snow tire you have to do the swaps this is a, it sounds a like category it. yeah so awesome take a look at our ratings and that should guide you so that brings us to our final question from Brent, who says, I love listening to your show. It is my favorite weekly podcast. I have a 2012 Volkswagen Jetta Sportwagon TDI that I gave back to Volkswagen to put it out of service in exchange for compensation. I'm glad that it's no longer excessively polluting the air. However, I still see other Volkswagen 2-liter diesels on the road, and I'm disheartened. Are people still allowed to drive these vehicles because Volkswagen was never able to come up with a fix, so in turn they were never recalled? 
Will these illegally high-polluting vehicles ever be forced off the road? Lot to unpack there, a couple things, recalls, fixes. Gabe, give us a down low on this one. So yes, you're still allowed to drive these cars. Uh, they're safe and legal. And uh, <clears throat> and the uh, some there was a fix, actually, the, to at least some of those uh, uh, TDIs, uh, diesel mm -hmm. VWs. And uh, the, the fix uh, did improve the emissions and hardly hurt uh, any uh, drivability, fuel economy, right. or acceleration, which, you know, is like, how? You'd wonder, like, <laughs> Volkswagen, why do you even bother? <laughs> right, right, uh, right. To go through the cheat mode and, and all of that. Yeah. So, There's a lot more expensive than just developing the fix. Right, right. But anyway, um, the, uh, the onus here is not on the customer who, who didn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. The onus is on the manufacturer. And uh, a recall, uh, as you know, is uh, uh, that's issued by a manufacturer and, and governed by uh, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration it has to do with safety. And this right. is not a safety issue, this is an environmental issue. So 85% uh, of these uh, Volkswagens are off uh, the road somewhere. Uh, either they are um, uh, in a parking lot somewhere or they've uh, been uh, uh, so taken apart uh, mm -hmm. for scrap. So, um, yeah, here and there you see a, a, a TDI or two yep. out there. Yep. Yeah. So, basically, they're not going to be forced mm -hmm. off the road, right. but there was right. a lot of incentive for people to... And I guess, that yeah, cash was pretty good. The incentive yeah. was pretty pretty attractive. I mean, it yeah, was yeah. really uh, uh, slanted towards the consumer. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they got... Uh, it was pretty attractive uh, proposition to mm -hmm. get rid of your VW TDI and uh, have right. VW rebuy it. Mm -hmm. And some of those you see on the road may have been fixed. So they're well, right. not polluting too much. Yeah, someone maybe either <laughs> yeah. took it in, you know, it was, right. they, they had yeah. not much invested in the car or yeah. whatever it was, it was worth it, or, um, you know, they bought it. Yeah. They could have purchased it secondhand from, you know, mm -hmm. a, or as a used car. So, you know, Brent, thanks for the question. And uh, it let us kind of clear some stuff up, particularly about people thinking what recalls are. All right, so that'll do it for this episode of Talking Cars. As always, check the show notes below for more on what we talked about. And send us your questions at talkingcars at iCloud.com. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.